welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we're discussing Supergirl Season 5, Episode 11, Back to the Future, Part 1. So, some things going on here. Uh, David, why don't you remind us what happened? Lex gets Brainy to free Toy Man, an evil win from another Earth, to draw this Earth's win back from the future. A little complicated. Toy Man tries to take out a patent thief, and Andrea, but is blown up and then goes all Max Headroom into a computer. Lex steals a data cube from Wynn's ship to learn that Gemma Cooper is part of Leviathan and gives it to Lena to help her find Q-Waves. John introduces The Tower, a superhero base in his PI office. Nia dreams about Brainy, but Wynn doesn't help her decipher it. Kara partners with William to dig up dirt on Lex to keep William safe and maybe check out his notes. Brainy finds working secretly with Lex difficult, but he only confides to win. Oh, and Andrea hasn't been activated by Leviathan yet, and is still a bad news boss. Okay, the whole evil win toy man versus good win from the future plot. I enjoyed seeing win today, and I certainly enjoyed seeing our win get some, uh, character development, and we also got to see some good character emoting from Brainy, too. Absolutely. This was a pretty good episode for both of them. It is also fun getting to see the evil win with his wonderful smile that is just slightly bent. <laughs> and, and I think I kind of liked him as the evil toy man as well. Yes, it was fun getting to see that Without having to go through uh, Win Goes Bad plus Redemption arc, we just get to see Evil Win, and so I certainly enjoyed that. There's a bunch of things that are kind of bizarre in the setup. It, it almost took me to the second viewing to really understand that Lex is trying to help this Evil Win from another universe because he knows that that means... The time cops are going to go after Win 3,000 years in the future, and therefore that Win's going to come back. That was a leap. Wow, this plan worked, but boy, I don't quite know why. I don't know how he knew the stuff about the time cops from the future. Maybe it's bleed over from his uh, past knowledge of timelines and stuff. But I certainly enjoyed the convoluted nature of his plan. It, it does seem like a Lex sort of plan to have all those different wheels in motion. It is bizarre and complicated, and I don't think I liked it quite as much as just his manipulation and th tossing around of Brainy, which I, I, I think fit better with what everything else is going on. Well, yeah, the uh, manipulation of Brainy remains an, a very interesting plot line, and I love how Brainy is getting put through his paces here. Uh, he has been somewhat easy to manipulate uh, in the past, but um, here he's really feeling everything uh, deeply. Uh, his his uh, inhibitors are gone, and I love his questioning of, you know, he's telling himself he has to feel emotionally cold and just think logically, but at the same time, his terror of that being the first step down the road to super villainy. Exactly. It is nicely played in that he says he is all logic, but obviously he is not all logic. 
obviously. He is super conflicted and super sad about it. And that shows nicely. And it's it's a lot more rounded than we feared when we saw the evil Brainy from the previous season. Right. And of course, one can be completely logical and go either good or bad, depending on what your starting premises are and what you're trying to use your logic to protect or achieve. And it's hard to tell exactly what he needs to do to help Lex defeat Leviathan. Uh, There's just not enough knowns. I I think it's really unclear how he'll know that he's done the right thing. And, And I think he sees that as a problem too, even though he kind of conceptually knows that it needs to be done. He obviously is missing a lot of information too. And it's, I think, a little sad that we now have the secret and they only share it with people who are going away. Yes. <laughs> well, I did really love that he got to tell Wenshot his anxieties about what's happening because Wenshot has been not exactly in his place, but he's had the evil father. And so he had some valuable perspectives on this More valuable, I think, than, say, Supergirl would have had in a similar conversation with Brainy. They did well in that scene. That scene really helps this episode quite a bit. And I like also how Wynn gives us a description to the shots we saw previously where Nia's doing something awesome and Wynn looks at her and says, you're awesome, and Brainy looks at her and is so sad. (laughs) They nicely not only film it, but then they discuss it later and it becomes part of that scene and all of that worked quite well. It's a little weird, the acceptance that Wynn gives for, uh, yes, we're still friends, but what do you do? Um, he had an angry expression on his face for quite a while, so that helped me a little bit. I wasn't quite sure whether he was going to forgive Brandy or not. You could see it going either way, <laughs> and that helped. Right, so Nia was excited to realize that Wynn's Legion ring is partly based on her own powers, and so it inspired her to use Force Whips, but that really doesn't seem all that different from what we've seen her dream powers used as before. So I was, once again, disappointed that Nia is being used as another punchy-punchy character, although we got to see her at least attempt to use her dream powers at first before they decided that wasn't doing much good, sadly. Though they really just dropped it. It was the setup for a couple conversations, the conversation between Brainy and Nia, where he basically is giving her a pep talk, and it's an okay pep talk, but really he goes to her saying, I am good at helping your descendant, analyzing her dreams, and then absolutely does nothing to help analyze her dream, which obviously is about Brainy being a double agent. And they just dropped it entirely, and she doesn't then go and try and dream more. I found that all a little bit unfortunate. And then his pep talk with Supergirl was nice, but kind of hollow. I wasn't all that happy with those two quick scenes. I was also disappointed with that. It could have been something interested. He could have said, here, let me write down some notes about dreams before I leave. I suppose we'll still have Goodwin around for part two. It wasn't quite clear if he was leaving after game night or not. I think it's strongly implied that he'll be back for part two. Maybe we'll 
do even more ridiculous time stuff. Who knows? <laughs> I think the real answer with her powers, and they don't even really use her powers like Wynne shows her. Like Wayne uses it to freeze a tiger briefly. Right. They just can't resist using her whips like a lion trainer. The necessity of having that visual joke was just too powerful and they couldn't resist it, even though, eh. Yeah, I see the doylist logic of what you're saying, but I found it disappointing show-wise, as I usually do when they just use Dreamer for another fighter. She was cool, but I'd like to see her be cool in uh, more cerebral, interesting, complicated ways. Exactly. We can hope. <laughs> It's interesting that in this timeline, Andrea never has been activated by Leviathan, although obviously there are some sleepers on the board, and so I'm not sure have things just been going well enough for Leviathan in this timeline that they've never needed to activate Andrea? Or is it maybe that, you know, they're a little smarter in this timeline and they've decided that manipulating a big CEO might have better effects than just using her as an assassin? It really is unclear. The show has given us some answers. So we now know for sure that the whole Red Supergirl plotline didn't really happen. The Kazni attack was dealt with separately by Lex. Maybe he still was in charge of it, but there was certainly no clone of Supergirl around. We know that Andrea stole the medallion. She hasn't been activated yet. Therefore, we don't quite know where the medallion is. The implication would be is it hasn't been activated, which means Akrata isn't live and that the medallion can still make someone Akrata. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole pile of questions in there. If it is still accurate that Lena took the medallion, which because she knows about it, that implies that she now has the medallion. But that implies Lena can become Akrata. So, eh. Well, she apologized for taking the medallion. But yeah, they don't really explain, did she give it back or did it get lost or what? It could go either way. So either Andre still has it, which I don't think would be the case. So I have no idea how that's going to come back into play. And certainly it suggests that all of the Leviathan uh, fights we saw earlier this season never happened. I wonder if this means that uh, Andrea's boyfriend could still be alive. Well, the implication here is that Andrea's boyfriend was taken out by Lex. Oh, okay. That was the change to William's background. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. But the exact details of that are still unclear. It's tricky. We're now in this world where nothing we know is actually real, <laughs> but we're all being given these characters and these storylines on the assumption that we already kind of know what happened. But we didn't. <laughs> you can't question the canon of the show, though, because the show has no canon, effectively. All got reset. <laughs> so we can't even question continuity errors because there's no continuity. That's right. <laughs> the one thing I would have liked to see continuity about a bit was the whole thing about Q-Waves, where earlier in the show, the Q-Waves was all a question about knowing the right frequency and learning it from John's brother. And now we have these lines from Lena when she is given the data cube and she sees Q-Waves and they are a wavy beach at sunset. <laughs> And then she says the line, they do exist on this earth. I don't know what wavy beaches at sunset. I don't know what that means. And Lex responds, all we had to do was bring them to this time. I have no idea what that means, Lex. I'm lost. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a physics phenomenon. And I'm not sure how you just bring a fact of physics <laughs> 
into existence in a new timeline if it wasn't there before. I really liked it when it was this puzzle to find the right frequency. That made sense to me and it worked. And I have no idea what they mean by Q-waves anymore. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, it's irritating, but at least it, to me, is not a thing that I really care about as far as the Supergirl universe. They'll use it to do some stuff, but, you know, I don't really care about it as much as the Lex manipulations and brainy evolution and other character arc things. Well, Lena now has a massive data cube store from 3,000 years in the future, and I guess she's just going to mine it. So, well, that's not going to affect the timeline much at all. (laughs) I think the next episode, we're going to have to see that to really be able to judge what happened in this episode. Yeah. One thing I am judging a bit in this episode, though, is that Kara is setting out to make the same mistakes she has made already. She is lying to William Day, withholding information from him, which would be one thing, just trying to control secret identity stuff. But at the same time, she's befriending him. She's asking him to game night. She's asking him to game night where every other person there except him knows the secret about Kara. And this girl doesn't learn. <laughs> and not only is she befriending him, but there was a moment, there there was a shippable moment mm-hmm. in their conversation about checking out his notes. And it's like, I guess... You just can't get away from the CW where the choice to get involved with someone, if you're a superhero, is probably the choice where you have to tell them. Yes. We need that to be a similar decision point. And the fact that they always make the decision points very separate, it's it's just ah oh, drama for drama's sake. And I know it's the CW and I know they have to do it, but it doesn't make it any easier to watch. I'm very disappointed in Kara. <laughs> I mean, she's just had a major lesson in not drawing people into a friendship while lying to them. And she's doing the exact same thing, except with possible romantic undertones, overtones, something at the same time. Yeah, one can hope that the writers won't be able to stomach writing the same thing over again, and will try and do something different. (laughs) I mean, it's cute that Kara is such a sandwich snob, but realistically, it's just going to be challenging if they actually are going to ship them as a couple, and then at some point it's going to have to come out. Ah, well. (laughs) Let's see, one more minor point about uh, Toy Man, the evil win. Uh, I was just interested in him being delighted that he has so many followers on this world, whereas in his previous world, everyone just hated his father. And he's arguing to our win that, you know, people love me here. And uh, Wynn is trying to explain to them, they don't love you, you're just a cheap thrill. So I thought that was an interesting thing and, you know, relevant to some things going on in social media these days. Well, this season has its ongoing arcs of technology and the woes of the internet. This is, I'm going to do a big crime, like and subscribe, is a a bit of a heavy-handed way of describing it. But the line, the anonymity of the internet brings out people's basic instincts. It's a fair thing to question. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of sad that Wynne suggests that government regulation will finally fix this problem in 2126. Mm, Boy. (laughs) That's a long time to wait. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot to not look forward to in the next hundred years. Without a doubt, there's sort of this ongoing technology question. We see the attack on Andrea, but we get on... 
but we get Andrea doing a presentation about Sidian Platinum. Right, which apparently involves not only virtual reality and being able to come home from work to a Tuscan village, but she also said, you know, you can then bottle your own wine in the real world. So is that like a, an add-on feature of platinum as opposed to regular obsidian, which is just virtual reality? I think it's connecting VR to Etsy. I really don't quite understand what in the world they're trying to say. And and maybe they just don't want to give us the final reveal as to what Platinum looks like. Mm -hmm. But still, everything she said either made no sense or it wasn't clear why it was different. So maybe we're just going to have to keep watching to figure out what in the world this product is supposed to do. I don't know if the writers know what this product is supposed to do. <laughs> right. But it will continue the whole alienation due to technology and isolation. So we know we're going down that path. Those are pretty much the points that I want wanted to hit. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the episode? We now have the oddity, of course, that Lex knows Kara's secret identity, and he doesn't really use it against her because they're playing this complicated game of chess. Mm -hmm. But it is pretty funny that he now has this thing to toy with her. <laughs> Just to yank her chain a little bit. I quite like the scene where he says, Kara is Supergirl to her small little thumb recorder, and therefore she has to break it. <laughs> I mean... She could have just gone over and deleted that part, but whatever. <laughs> the funny part with that conversation is that William is going after Lex for crimes this Lex didn't commit, which is mm -hmm. funny in a way. It is not like this Lex is crimeless, but it's true. Since showing up here, he hasn't obviously done anything too horrible. I suppose he actually has helped the toy man try and kill a couple people, but he hasn't been caught for anything yet. Right. It's an interesting dance that they're doing, and that is becoming a part to look forward to in each episode. What are they going to be doing about all that this time around? So I suppose in the next episode, evil toy man who has become an evil briefcase? <laughs> I like evil Max Headroom, but but yeah, he's now a ghost in the machine. <laughs> evil Max Headroom, yes. <laughs> I suppose he's going to get into DEO's computers and then into the world's computers. Um, I could be wrong, but we'll see. And he could get into Obsidian's computers, which is even scarier. Ah, oh, mm -hmm. and then into everybody's heads. That could be interesting. Or Lena's computers, which also would be really bad. There's a lot of right. dangerous computer plans, and now we have a person who is an evil genius in the computers. Mm-hmm. Who is not some version of Brainy, so that's another interesting element. There's lots of interesting technology plotting that they can do, and this episode doesn't fill me with hope that they will do it well, but we will see. Right. I did want to bring up that we now get the tower. Oh yes, I do wonder... As I always do, how people afford their places, their large apartments, and their apartments that are big enough to hold superhero meeting places. <laughs> we'll just wave aside that little question of money. The Martian Manhunter, if he wanted to do jobs as an actual PI on Earth, would be amazingly good at it. If he remembered that he could read minds, yes. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he remembers that and is willing to do that violence. Right. He could easily be very well paid. We expected this to happen because we called that his PI office was going to become a new base mm -hmm. because they had to hide from Colonel Haley when the DEO was being run by her and Supergirl was persona non grata. Right. 
we expected that this would be the new base. And it's hilarious that now in this season, for different reasons, the secret elevator that Kara is so happy to see <laughs> does lead them to this new set, which is the tower where they super friends can hang out and plan outside of even the DEO's visibility. Right, with the DEO now being tainted by Lex's ownership. But, you know, Lex is pretty savvy. He probably knows that Jean is around and has an apartment, and if he were interested enough to look, he would certainly be able to find that Jean has the tower, too. Yeah, well, we will be seeing more of that set for the rest of the season, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. We do get reference to the Hall of Justice as being another place that also, in theory, exists starting now, but we of course haven't gone back there and we probably won't until next year's crossover. Right. Uh, one question I had is there's a plaque of symbols on the wall and I wanted to know, is that a plaque or are those actually emergency buttons? It looked like a plaque to me, just etched, but you never know with alien technology. I don't know, because it, it was made reference to by John as he went away that if you need help, and uh, then there was a sign of the plaque and as far as I can tell, the symbols are one of the two Kryptonians, Batwoman, The Flash, Martian Manhunter, Dreamer, and Brainy, which is a weird set if you only have six plaques or six buttons or six whatevers. <laughs> so there's nothing from Legends, nothing from the not yet happened in Green Arrow show, no Black Lightning, so it's not really the Justice League. It could be Superman or it could be Supergirl, also unclear. So hmm. I'm a little confused by that plaque of symbols, but we'll see how it gets used or whether it is actually a, a thing that's referenced later in the season. Mm -hmm. As I've mentioned before, th there are problems with, as you have also <laughs> discussed, there are problems uh, with this new all the supers in one Earth continuity. Why don't they communicate more? But... As, as you've said, we're just going to have to kind of ignore that. You do. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do want to give the show one brief call out. It was a beautiful use of Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> right. It reminded me of the episode a couple of seasons ago when Wen was uh, doing karaoke. <laughs> Apparently, even evil toy man Wen <laughs> likes 80s music. It's unclear if the music was actually playing or whether it was just playing inside of Toy Man's head. You can't tell with music sometimes in shows. Yeah, I, he could have taken over the sound system and activated Eye of the Tiger when his robot tigers came on. Or, as you say, it could have been his own personal <laughs> headspace soundtrack. <laughs> I kind of like it either way. <laughs> yeah, it works both ways. So, I don't know. We'll see how much of this actually gets cleared up in the next episode. Right. Looking forward to it. And if any of our listeners want to discuss plot points with us or character arcs or anything like that, we're on Twitter at SG Supercast. We're on the Incomparable Slack members group on the TV channel. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. And thanks, David, for another interesting conversation. Happy to be here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.